Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Again, again, I did it again. I did it once again. I forgot to unmute myself. Let's start this all over again. <laughs> you're, you're listening to Southern Sense. You're live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains Daily News, Kinetic Hi-Fi, The Fix FM out of Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, good Lord. We're up on Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes, uh, up on Facebook video, YouTube video. And, oh, good Lord, I'm your hostess with the worst. <laughs> Radio Chick Annie, <laughs> along with my co-host Curtis C.S. Bennett. If you're look, looking at the video, you're probably seeing me bright red right now. <laughs> Good afternoon, Curtis. Off to a great start. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here with today's lineup of guests, and I'm also excited about the prospect of our president getting a Nobel Peace Prize. You know, perhaps one of our oh, guests can give us it- some insight into this possibility. Oh, yeah, that'll happen when hell freezes over, that's for sure. You know, uh, they were really quick to give it with Obama in office. And remember, he wasn't in office more than just a couple of months. He wasn't even there for a full year. He just got elected, and they give him the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, what a crock. I mean, if they give it to Yasser Arafat, really? Uh, You think they're going to give it to Trump? I don't think so. But we're gonna we're gonna talk to our guests. We've got three, not one, not two, but three great guests today. We got Bruce Hartman. He was the former uh, chief financial officer for Yankee Candle, Foot Locker, and Cushman and Wakefield, a major accounting firm out there. Um, he has a new book out called Jesus and Company. Uh, he'll be on in the first half of the show. We're gonna also have Nelson Faber. He's running for Secretary of State here in South Carolina. And these state elections really mean a lot because these are the men and women that will go on further into federal services uh, in the future. So we need to pay attention to this. Um, and then we're going to follow up with the end of the show. And I'm sorry I haven't had this gentleman on more often. Uh, I, I should call him a good friend, Jim Horn. Uh, he is an amazing guy. He's got three books out on Islam. And, oh, you, all you have to do is ask him one question. Then you sit back for the next half hour and just let him go. (laughs) He's going to be a blast. I want to welcome everyone that's out there listening in in the uh, chat room, which is open on Blog Talk Radio. We also have it open on uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube. 
I'll try to follow the chat rooms as much as I can, but I'm working between two computers. So uh, you see a lot of head swivel on the video. It's me looking back and forth uh, between the two uh, computers here. One of these days I'll get my act together, Curtis. <laughs> so one of these days. Oh, you're doing good. Oh, man. It's Friday. Well, listen, God, yeah. Uh, anyone that listens to the show knows that we start off each and every show uh, with a dedication to a fallen hero. And for some reason, this is not coming up. Why am I not getting this? Uh, let's try this once again. Uh, unfortunately, um, I'm trying to get up the dedication, and for some reason, the dedication pictures are not showing. So let me just, as folks, this is live radio. This is what happens on live radio. When things screw up, and usually it's Annie's fault that it screws up, uh, but we'll try to get this up and running properly. Just bear with me for a second here as we get this going along. All right, and oh, let's get these pictures in here. And here we go. Today's show is going to be given out to First Lieutenant Weston C. Wilson. Um, and as we get this up here, and here we go. We got it. We got it rocking and rolling. All right. Today's show, again, is going out to honoring First Lieutenant Weston C. Lee. Uh, who was killed in action on April 29th of 2017 while serving during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And this is from the Early County News. Early County High Mangum Auditorium was packed with over 900 people who came to pay their respects to First Lieutenant Weston C. Lee. It has been two weeks, two long weeks, since the news of Weston's death in Iraq first rocked southwest Georgia, along with Weston's family. He was the son of Edie and Aideen Lee of Bluffton, Georgia. The packed auditorium was no surprise. Weston was a hero, not just because he died serving his country with our freedoms. Over these two weeks, it became more obvious each day he had touched the lives of everyone who was lucky enough to have been around him, family, friends, SGA classmates, and teachers. North Georgia College classmates, fellow, had been long their hero. He always sought the good in everyone, Weston's father, Eddie Lee, noted. Weston was a 2010 graduate of Southwest Georgia Academy, where he left a lasting impression. Weston loved to be involved, and his biggest love was for children. He was such a Christian man. While helping with the weight program, he inspired the boys to be godly men through his Bible studies. He was honorable to God on and off of the battlefield. Two moving tributes to Weston were given during the memorial by his cousin, Mavis Lark Moore, and NGC classmate and fellow soldier, Captain Jimmy Webb. Mavis recalled, as many memories of Weston time would allow, from the first time I held him and he sucked on my finger, he was the son I never had, she stated. Captain Webb said he and Weston had so much in common and spent so much time together, we lied. We told everyone we were cousins. He stated a general assessing officers stated that First Lieutenant Weston Lee was among the top 
95% of first lieutenants he had ever assessed. He was asleep that Saturday night when Uncle Eddie called to tell him about Weston. Weston was an infantry officer assigned to 1st Battalion, 325th Infantry Regiment, 2nd Brigade Combat Team, 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. He died on April 29th last year from wounds sustained when an improvised explosive device known as an IED detonated during a patrol outside of Mosul. He and part of a team of advisors were assisting Iraq's Kurdish fighters known as the Peshmerga. His return home generated a show of patriotism, respect, and love unparalleled in southwest Georgia to anyone's memory. Coming out of Fort Benning and a long highway, every place was passed by people was passed and people out there were on the road, stated Steve Manry, who drove the hearse back to Blakely along Weston, with Weston's mother, Aideen. The arrival at Court Square was long with memorials with people holding flags to which our grand old lady served as the backdrop. By, eight, by 6.30 that Friday evening, a heavy line of people with umbrellas were backed up to the doors and out the doors and over a block long down Commerce Street to Fort Gaines Street during the family's visitation. Two psalms were included in the memorial program. Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Also was Psalm 91.2, I will say to the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. On the final front page, under Weston's photo and the airborne emblem, was a quote from General George S. Patton. It is foolish and wrong to mourn the man who died. Rather, we should thank God that such a man lived. Today's show is dedicated to First Lieutenant Lee. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there who serve in the military. From the birth of this nation through today and into the future, we also dedicate this show to the brave men and women that serve bravely as our first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or EMS. And we dedicate it with this song, Amazing Grace. May God bless each and every one. Yeah. 
You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains, Daily News, Kinetic Hi-Fi, The Fix FM out of Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, just check out our website. The name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. Oh, Curtis, you know, you got to remind me more often. i got to tell people that we have, if you go onto our website, Southern Sense, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com, that we, if you sign up, Anyone that's a member of our website is entered to win a copy of this book, Diary of a Mad Black PYC by Lenny McAllister. I gotta keep on remembering to tell people check out our website and go over there and sign up to to enter to win a copy of the book. Last one we uh, gave away uh, went out to uh, our friend in Alaska, Boyd, uh, and they were also a friend of ours down in Georgia of the show. So last time it was two books we gave away. This time it's just one. Uh, but they have to go to our website, sign up to be a, a part of our email list. You don't get an email 15 times a day, and you don't get an email every day. You just get an email twice a week just telling you that our show is up on the air. It's a great deal, Curtis. You sign up, it's free, and you are entered to win a, a copy of a book. And I'll be, I'll be certain to remind you in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, we got to tell everyone to go to your website. Your website is what now, Curtis? The OriginalRadicals.org. Ah, great. All right. We're waiting for our guest to call in. Hopefully he'll call in shortly. Um, But we have a great lineup here and a lot to talk about. Uh, You know, it's funny. um, My friend Jim Simpson sent an email to me this morning. Uh, He has a newsletter out there that uh, people can sign up for by checking him out. Um, That uh, Mike Pompeo... The Muslim Brotherhood and CARE did not want him uh, uh, to be uh, sworn in as our new uh, Secretary of State. And lo and behold, he got sworn in. He squeaked in. uh, And he's already causing waves. Uh, And and it's funny because while he was head of the CIA, um, he went over to uh, Korea, North Korea, and he had a little tete-a-tete with the the guy with the tiny little hands, Kim Jong-un, and uh, sat him down and said, son, we got a president over here in America, and that isn't like Obama. As a matter of fact, he's the exact opposite of Obozo, and uh, I think we better come to the negotiation table here and end this war that has been going on for 63 years. It is the longest war in American history. So if anyone turns around and says, oh, uh, we, we, World War II or the war on terror, the longest No, 63 years we have been at war with North Korea. And finally, we may be looking at a peace treaty. 
And uh, well, that know, will be something to see. Dictators like Kim Jong-un, they, they respect um, leaders who are more, I hate to say it, but macho in their approach. You know, I'm not saying that they like that, but they respond. And when you get somebody like um, Obama, they see, see you know, that form of um, negotiations as uh, a sign of weakness. You know, so Trump, he knows a lot. He has dealt with people from other countries over his, his lifetime of, of real estate and, and doing deals with, you know, leaders of foreign, you know, countries and whatnot. So I don't think he's as naive as the press and, and the left would, you know, make him out to be. He knows what he's doing, I believe. Oh, that he does. That he does. I'm trying to see if I can reach out to uh, the guy that uh, was representing our guest and see if I can uh, get him <laughs> get him on the phone here. It uh, looks like uh, he's not calling in because <laughs> we've got another guest coming in right in right behind us. So we're on a tight schedule today. Uh, so let's just hope we can. Hey. So, all right, guys, again, this is live radio, so we don't know whatever's going to happen. And so, anyway, I'm just going just gonna to wing it. I can't send emails out to guests trying to get them on the – I can't multitask that much. But, anyway, go ahead. Referencing what I was just talking about, you know, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt that said, walk softly but carry a big stick. The, the only difference about Trump, he doesn't, he doesn't walk softly. He talks and carries a big stick, you know. He talks loudly. So that makes him unique. But um, it gets people's attention. Oh, that, that it does. That it does. Um, he, he doesn't walk softly at all. He more like stomps into the room. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, he he explodes grenades when he enters a room. He got he's tossing grenades. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, that is that is for sure. That is absolutely for sure. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see because uh, everyone's saying, "Oh, uh, who is it? Oh, oh, it was Lindsey Gramnesty." Lindsey Graham this, uh, that uh, said he should be nominated for you know, the, the, the um, what do you call it? Oh, good Lord, <laughs> the Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, it's not going to happen. Oh, man, it's that? Just, uh, yeah, Lindsey said that. Surprise. <laughs> uh, all right. Surprise. I'm just trying. I am sending an email. Out to our guest to see if I can find out what's going on there. Oh, geez. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it is a big step forward with uh, what's going on in North Korea and South Korea. Uh, but then again, I raised the issue I did earlier this week. You know, if there is a unification of North and South Korea uh, with the premier that's over there, who happens to be very, very left wing. Um, Will it then become a puppet state of China, the entire place? You know, what happened to Shanghai and Hong Kong became a puppet state, and they just milk off of all the the economy, the great economy that they got over there. They give people just enough leash 
to go out there and still be free capitalists, and yet Chinese reap the rewards. So will Korea be another satellite of China? You know, are we giving away a major area of uh, security? You know, we've got our bases over there. We've got we're able to help control peace in the Pacific with our presence in Japan, Taiwan, and South Korea, but are we giving away a major strategic area should they completely unify without China being a major controlling factor? Hmm, that's a good question. Very good question. Um, I believe we will still keep a presence there um, whether it be at the 38th parallel or not. I doubt it. I think we would probably retreat more closer to um, Seoul, South Korea. But I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, things will work out because so far it feels and, and it looks a little different than all the other concessions that he promised them to make with, you know, past um, administrations. This, this has a different feel to it, this Kim Il-jong. Well, Kim Jong Un. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope you're right. Uh, I hope I hope that you are right because I would hate to see us lose a strategic ally over there in the Pacific. You know, um, we didn't pay too much attention to Turkey, and Turkey entered into NATO. And as soon as they get into NATO, what happens? They get Aerodyne over there. And he's more radical Islamic than any other person that's been there since the 1920s. You know, he's he's openly advocating for a new caliphate with Turkey as the center, as the crown of the caliphate. You know, we're stepping backwards with Turkey. They would not let us use the airspace in our war on terror when we went into Iraq or when we what I ran prior in Desert Storm. They wouldn't let us use their airspace. So, you know, well, that's, how much that's like more Spain. of our national security are we going to cede? That's like Spain. They wouldn't let us use their airspace when we launched an attack on Libya back in the 80s, I believe. Uh, our pilots flew from somewhere in England and had to fly eight hours straight there and eight, eight hours nonstop back to the base and could have cut that by hours had Spain allowed us to, you know. I don't know what's wrong with these countries. No, I, I don't either. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. And unfortunately, it looks like we may have lost our first guest. So we're just going to have to uh, wing it. So if people want to call in and uh, just chat and ask us some questions, tell us what they're interested in. Uh, we'll be happy to talk to them. Um, I'm just going to try to send out one more email. Uh, hopefully we can try to get him in at least for a few minutes because he's got a great book out there called Jesus and Company. And it, it is really an eye-opener because I never thought of of um, what he was putting Christ in the marketplace. But yet if you live a good moral life, a good Christian life, you automatically carry these things over to wherever you are. So he just puts it in a more uh, succinct manner, uh, in a way that you can understand it a little bit better. Because you really, you really don't.
think about this? Because you go out to business, you think, you know, doggy dog, cutthroat. Um, and you don't think, you know, that Christ himself once was a person that ran a business. He was a carpenter. He had a reputation. Um, so, you know, it's something that you don't really think about. And he puts it in this book so well. And it's a shame he's, he's not here with us at this moment. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there are many businesses out there, but the most the most um, famous one so far that's in the spotlight that I think that follows a Christian um, um, lifestyle that they put into their business is Chick-fil-A. You know, they're not open on Sundays, and and, and they follow the teachings of Christ. And they get a lot of grief oh, for yeah, that, Chick-fil-A. Too. Chick-fil-A is the most obvious of them, um, but I never considered Foot Locker, which I didn't know. Uh, not It's not Christian-based. It's just that the manner in which they run the company follows, you know, the Christian tenets. Um, Yankee Candle being another one. And, you know, it's funny. <laughs> when we moved here to South Carolina, someone sent us a gift of Yankee Candles. <laughs> and I'm going, hey, listen, I fled the Yankees. Why are you sending me Yankee stuff? But I didn't realize that they were also a faith, too. So there are faith-based companies out there, uh, and we've got to support them. So, you know, maybe we should find someone who's willing to set up a a website that has a listing of Christian faith-based companies that we could give our business to, to show support to. That's one heck of an idea, isn't it? It's a great idea. You know, it's almost as great an idea as um, allowing athletes to pray before games. You know, that's become... Um, a no-no in sports today. Well, I'm going to see, I want to see what happens with the NFL. Normally on Friday nights, I join uh, the captain and do our NFL prognostication. Sorry, my nose is a little clogged up today. Um, But we we do our picks, our football picks. And (laughs) last year I came in number two. I didn't quite make number one. I missed, I think, by one or two points. (laughs) I came in. Hey, not bad for a girl. Uh, anyway, I want to see what happens with the NFL, what they're going to do uh, this coming season, whether or not they're going to still allow these guys to kneel during the national anthem or the showing of the colors. Will they show the playing of the national anthem? Because they cut it out last year, if you notice. At the start of the games, after a couple of weeks into the season, they stopped showing the playing of the national anthem. They showed the kickoff. Had oh. the commentators talking or whatever, but they wouldn't show the showing the colors or the national anthem. I want to see that come back. You know, I said this last year, and I still stand by it. You know, if I'm going to an NFL game, I am not going there for politics. I don't care what your politics are. I'm there to see a game of football. And what could be more patriotic than the American game of football? So, yes, if you don't want to stand uh, the color when when they're singing the national anthem, it, you know you can show respect. You well, you know, show respect because you you're you're here in the United States. This is the country that has given you the freedom to even go to that game. There's a lot of countries that will not even let you go into these things. That's true. That flag truly meant a lot to people, especially back in the uh, I guess 40s, 50s, 60s, even the 70s. Because there's, uh, on Twitter at least, there's a video that's making this round of some some kind of 
I don't know, two nationalists from some country trying to burn a flag on the baseball field. And there was an outfielder who saw what was going on, and he ran and snatched the flag from them. And the, the crowd I think that know, was, stood up and That was clapped. in the 1970s. Yeah, That's 1970s. Right. It was, I believe, a Red Sox game. And I, 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 I am seeing the video in my head. And I'm yeah. trying. It was matter of fact, the player was pretty famous for that because he did snatch oh, yeah. the flag, um, and he's he, he stomped out the flames. He didn't stomp out the flames, but he put out the flames and stopped them from burning the flag. And that was and the, the 19- people stood up in cheer. Today they would probably boo. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. You know, you're here in my country. This is the United States of America. This is not the the KKK of USA. This is not the communist USA. This is the United States of America built on the principles of freedom. A country and an experiment that never existed in the world any at any time in history. And this great experiment has allowed these people the freedom to act like idiots as much as they want. And hey, I will defend that freedom. But I also will make you responsible for whatever your words or actions are. So if you go and burn the flag that I respect, I'm going to confront you. You know, it's a two-edged sword, the First Amendment. Yeah. It amazes me. It really does amaze me. The very people that say, it's my right to say whatever I want, and yet when I try to speak, or you try to speak, Curtis, or any one of our listeners out there tries to speak. No, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're an Islamophobe, you're a bigot, you're part of the KKK. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You want to say whatever you want to say, and then when I try to reply, respond, or even say what I feel I would like to say, you shut me down? Like I said, the First Amendment is a two-edged sword. You have freedom of speech, but you don't have freedom from speech. You have freedom of religion, but you don't have freedom from religion. I'm on a rant today, huh? Well, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Um, since it's been in the news all week, what do you think about um, the verdict with um, Bill Cosby and those women finally getting their voices heard? Uh, I, I actually applaud them. I actually applaud them. Uh, and matter of fact, the agent for them. our guest. Well, looks like our guest is going to be MIA. Because his agent just said, "Hey, listen, I told him about it." <laughs> and and the guy, our guest Bruce Hartman, did confirm in an email. So maybe there's just a little bit of a mix-up. Maybe he forgot. <laughs> anyway, we're well, going to try to rebook him at another time. I'm sorry about that, folks. Um, and, but. This happens. It happens. It doesn't happen too often, thankfully. But once in a while, things get a little screwed up here. But anyway, now Cosby, I, I can't believe this is a man that we held up as dad, America's dad. This is a man who's as growing up. I remember my parents had gone out and bought his comedy albums, and they were just so much fun to listen to. Um, oh, he yeah. had the. Uh, he had the TV series, um, what was it, I Spy was the TV series before he had the Bill Cosby show. Um, right. America loved him, and he was a voice of conservatism and a faith. 
and he came, he actually was here in Buford a number of years ago over at the Penn Center, the historic black oh. school that was one of the first schools established after you know during and after the Civil War, and it still is in existence and operating today. He went out there and gave an amazing, amazing speech, you know, for family values, for conservative values, and it turns out a complete hypocrite, and that that hurts. That really, really hurts. I mean, it, not as badly as the women that he harmed. I mean, the horrific stories that have come out. And this lawsuit was brought by just one woman. But you hear it wasn't just one. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was, I think you said somewhere close to 50 women have come forward. Somewhere between 50 and 60 women have come forward over all these decades. And women that were shamed or would have had their career destroyed had they come forward. And this is unforgivable. I'm sorry. He's in his 80s, but you deserve to spend the rest of your life behind bars. And what he did was so despicable. And then to turn around and and propagate the, the conservative message, and when it was a complete lie in your life, well, I'll tell you I this much: this Me Too movement is opening a lot of a lot of doors. Uh, now they're talking about Tom Brokaw and his uh, attitude towards women. It's one thing to have an attitude; it's another thing to go forward and harass and assault. So I don't know what's going on with Brokaw, um, but you notice the vast majority of these uh, accusations are people that are liberal. You know, Cosby is an exception to the oh, rule. Yeah. If he really, if he really was a conservative, I question that. You know, well, you can't preach one mess and live a different life. Cosby, he's a Democrat, but he has conservative um, ways, just like a lot of blacks. They just don't know they're conservative. <laughs> they just vote Democrat. Oh, I didn't know Cosby was. Is is Cosby a registered Democrat? Yes, he is. So he has a ah. conservative message. He has a conservative message, See, I didn't which know is that. a good message, but it didn't apply to his life, apparently. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And it's a shame because it, you know, he was, was a great actor, a good comedian. I, I loved listening to his stuff. And when he talked about you know the silly things about families, about dads, <laughs> And with things that kids do, it was great. It was a lot of fun. You know, it, well, when it you was harmless. When you think about it, with guys like this in a position of power, there were a lot of warning signs, and, and a lot of them were, you know, went unheeded, you know, because there were some people um, like Ann Curry who said she mentioned, you know, to the bosses that they need to keep an eye on Matt Lauer. But nothing came of it, and I—I I don't know. I think it was the culture at that time to just turn your head because this was your golden boy out there, you know, bringing in the money and the audience. But when you got people like mm-hmm. Matt Lauer and Cosby, you know, it's like athletes are used to getting away with things because they're the stars, you know. So the people in charge or the people who have influence over them turn their head the other way. But all that catching up to them now. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Matter of fact, our guest Bruce Hartman, uh, his publicist, has just said 
uh, for us to call him, but unfortunately, our next guest is going to be calling in very shortly. So, un- unfortunately, we lost this part of the segment, but all right, well, unfor- it's very unfortunate, but we'll try again. <laughs> anyway, that's what we'll end up having to do. So, if you're listening in, waiting for Bruce Hartman, uh, unfortunately, he's not going to be with us at this point because our next guest is due to call in in just a few minutes. So I don't want to start the interview with Bruce Hartman and then have to drop it about three sentences in. <laughs> anyway, uh, but people, uh, yeah, for the next few minutes, we're going to take open calls. So if you're there listening in the studio, press one and we'll take you uh, on the air. Uh, or otherwise, the phone number is six nine one seven six one seven nine one seven eight eight nine three six seven five. Uh Right now, we're just fleeing. But the, 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 if I can talk, Curtis, what else can go wrong? <laughs> what else? <laughs> well, I can tell you. Oh man! I can tell you what could go right. We can have Mitch McConnell decide to retire this year, <laughs> just like his buddy Paul Ryan. The thing uh, is about yeah, that. This- who do we replace these people with? You know, do we replace them with people the same build? Somebody, say like um, in in the House of Representatives, somebody from, you know, the Freedom Caucus or something like that, you know. If we're going to just replace them with more mainstream um, establishment types, we're not really moving, you know, not going forward. There's there's a couple of of, uh, people that have put their their names in the hat for Paul Ryan's seat as Speaker of the House. Uh, yeah, yeah, Speaker of the House. Uh, I've heard Meadows' name be put in there. Um, I've heard um, Jim Jordan, yeah, the, his name going in. So let's see. You know, I, I know at one point Louis Gomert, when Ryan was up for uh, Speaker, uh, Louis Gomert had thrown his hat in the ring at one point. I'd like to see him. Yeah, you know, talk about a no nonsense guy that will you know go after the juggler <laughs> on the left. It would be Louis Gomert. Um, Jim Jordan, uh, Meadows are a good seconds, uh, but my preference would be Louis Gomert. I don't oh, know yeah. if anyone else has an opinion out there. Post it up in the chat room where, like I said, call in. Uh, those of you that are listening in the studio, press one. We'll bring you up on the air with us, uh, and let's discuss this. You know, Who should be the next Speaker of the House when Ryan leaves? That's a very good question. I know that um, a couple of years ago, Ted Yoho challenged you know, made a challenge and put his 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 hat in the ring. But being new at that time, it didn't go far with Ted Yoho. Well, let's go, Yo Yoho. <laughs> put your name in. Yeah, we got to get him back on sometime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You have to get. Well, there's a lot of people we need to get back on because uh, I was watching Fox last night and. Uh, they were discussing Cosby, and they had Niger Innes on. So I've got to give him a phone call, see if we can get him to come back on also. I mean, I started looking at some of the guests we've had over these years, and God bless. Thank you, guys. This is this is eight years solid. We're going into this August will be our ninth. Um, eight years doing this. I can't believe it. Cannot believe it. Um, but I looked at some of the past guests, and I said I was amazed at some of these people that we had on. As a matter of fact, um, we've got some great ones coming up uh, in May. Uh, Doug 
uh, Gibbs, who happens to be a constitutional expert, um, is part of the movement in California against the sanctuary cities. And he's he's a major force in closing those sanctuary cities down. Um, so we're going to be talking with him. And people know him as the Sultan Nish. Uh, Daniel Greenfield will be coming back on air with us also. Uh, you're bringing in a couple of great guests. Uh, Lucretia Hughes is oh, coming yeah. back. Latresa Jones, yeah. Tamara Lee, they're coming back. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to just mention that we also have a friend of J.P. Sloan's when he was on our show just this past Tuesday. Turned, he mentioned uh, a producer who happens to live over in the United Kingdom uh, that's making coming up with these very pro-American films. And he's been over here. Uh, promoting unity between the United States and the UK on the conservative movement. So, Kel, this is something, uh, she's up in the chat room, something she may be interested in also. His name is Mark Sutherland, a very, very uh, conservative gentleman over in the United Kingdom, and he'll be joining us next month also. So we've got some great new guests coming in, but i got to get some of the older ones. (laughs) Not older, I don't mean it that way. Previous guests, I should say, to speak correctly. Some of our previous guests to come in on the air uh, here with us also. So it's yeah. we got a lot of guests. As I was saying, I was trying to I'm trying to um, get Carol Swain to come on to, to interview with us. She's she's a black conservative running for mayor of uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and her chances. Well, we've had her good. on in the past. Yeah, we've had her on in the past. I remember her. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, oh, yeah. She has a book out. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh, God, Lord. I'm, I'm, my brain is something to the effect of uh, a black conservative under Obama, something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's I would have to She's absolutely excellent. Yeah. She, we've had her on when her book came out. And we've had her on a couple of times afterwards. So um, if you want, I can reach out to her also to uh, just prod a little bit more. Uh, but we've got some responses up in the, cat, in the oh, chat yeah. room, too. Um, we have uh, Sasquatch over there, or as you know him as Bigfoot, uh, mentioned he met yeah. uh, Doug Gibbs, our guest. Uh, yeah, he's the author of The Political Pistachio. Yes, that is exactly who we're going to have on, Doug V. Gibbs. Uh, his wife actually is a legal immigrant from Mexico, uh, which is why he's he's so strong in helping uh, fight these sanctuary cities and sanctuary policies going on in his state of California. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, now, of course, as always, we'll have our phone lines open. So if people want to call in, that's great. Um, now, Gary is putting in Katie Hopkins' departure from Mail Online comes days after she gave a speech attacking Muslims, calling on people to fight for their country. It has emerged. Yeah, uh, I mentioned this on Tuesday's show. Angela Angela Merkel, I can never pronounce her first name, but the German president, she's here right now in D.C. with Trump. And I mentioned that Merkel was upset. She was disappointed. She was dismayed that these immigrants coming in from Muslim countries, how dare they attack our native citizens? Even children in the schools, synagogues and schools need now armed guards to protect them against these 
immigrants. And she won't say Muslim. She won't say Islamist. She won't say the words terrorism. But if a child comes to school with a ham sandwich, they are beaten up. Really, come on. And you opened the borders to Germany. You said, here, come right in. We'll give you housing. We'll feed you. We'll clothe you. We'll take care of your medical care and your education. We'll pat you on the... I keep on hitting the mic. Sorry about that. We'll pat you on the wrist and say, here, here, dear, dear. I'm sorry you had such a a hard life. Come to Germany. And what would you like us to do? Let's just bend over backwards and let you just give us a good swift kick in the butt. And just say, hey, See, we're taking over with, Germany, and it's going to be part of the caliphate. Well, Islam, when they come into your schools and, and your workplace, they want a lot of concessions, you know. You can't have pork around them, so that infringes upon the rights of other people who like to sit at their desk and eat a pork sandwich or something. Um, most of them want um, a place to bathe their feet. Others want to be able to have a place where they can pray, you know, spread the little cloth and face the, the east and, and bow down to, you know, Allah. So when you you take on a lot of Muslims in, in your schools and your, your workplace, there's a lot of concessions that they demand. That's not what I'm about, really. No, you know, it's not. And as a matter of fact, Jim Horn is going to be talking about that because one of his books is – Islam in the workplace. Um, so it's he's he is a uh, an absolute pisser. I, I love having him in on the show, um, but he's going to be talking about that. You know the invasive uh, the evasiveness of Islam into our culture today here in America. It's 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 awful, and unfortunately, I mean, uh, we still have them in believe? all phases of our government. Yeah, can you believe your supervisor coming to you and say, hey, you know, um, would you really mind, you know, if we ask you not to bring a BLT <laughs> to work anymore because it offends your um, Muslim um, co-worker over there? I mean, how would you feel? Give me that. I, I would say give me that co-worker's home address. I'm entering them in the bacon of the month club. <laughs> Southern Poverty <laughs> Law Center, here I am. <laughs> Add me to your list. It's a badge of honor. We just want to keep the peace around here. We we appreciate your cooperation. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's a shame because they've actually invaded our seminaries. You know, our 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 universities that we teach theology for for Christianity. And they're into the seminaries now, and they're influencing it. I spoke this about this a couple of years ago, um, that there was an actual uh, protest and attempted to file a lawsuit at a Catholic university. The Muslims attending the Catholic university were upset. There were so many crucifixes around. They were complaining about the crucifixes that were in a Catholic university. It's Catholic what part of Catholic and Christianity do you fail to understand? But that is how bad it's gotten. It is, yeah. That is actually how bad it's gotten. You know, um, there was a a um, high school graduation, which happened to have been a Christian-based high school. And they actually covered up when they had the graduation 
the saying over the door, uh, over the, uh, the, the stage, as well as the crucifix. They covered it during the graduation. And yet you are a faith-based, a Christian high school. And this is the problem. And this is, again, I, I've told you about this, and I've talked about this on the show. This is the, the fight we are having here in South Carolina, the Episcopal Church versus the Anglican Church of North America. Here we remain faith-based and Christian, and the Episcopal Church, they're going far left. And, and we've got to hold our faith stern. We have to stop capitulating because every time we capitulate, they gain ground and they take it to the next level. You know, I make light of this sometimes, but it's real serious business, you know, with these guys coming over here and and pretty much um, preempting um, what's our, you know, inalienable rights. Look out, be mindful, be careful of guys that come into our communities and they, they build their mosque and they spread their message of um, Islam because what they're really trying to do is take over without firing a shot. Well, exactly, without firing a single shot. You know, it, it's and <laughs> funny you talk about firing a shot uh, because they have all these kids out there uh, doing this, you know, anti-gun rallies. Um, yet, the last terrorist attack, which was up in Toronto was by a van, by a, a, a rental van. And you're seeing more and more of these uh, occurring. And um, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, on our last show. We didn't have enough time for it, but it's easy to do. All you need to do is have a credit card and a driver's license. Hey, I'm just moving some furniture, whatever it is, and you rent a van. And there's no way for them to know that when you drive out of their rental lot, what you're actually going to be doing with that van. You could be transporting drugs, human uh, trafficking, uh, or you just turn around to a nice, busy uh, commercial street at lunchtime and just mow down a bunch of Christians. Why not? And then, hey, you know what? The insurance will cover whatever damages. It doesn't matter. So what are you going to have now? Whenever you rent a car or a van, you're going to have something in the rental agreement that says, I promise not to run anyone over. So you take the guns away, and they use knives. You take the knives away, they're going to use vans. You take the vans away, they're going to find some other way to do it. I mean, the Boston bomber put a a bomb into a knapsack and just left it on over by a parking meter and took out a lot of people. There's always well, another way they'll attack us. They could, they could use fertilizer like Tim McVeigh did. He did a lot of damage for fertilizer. Well, you know what happened with that? The EPA came around and said, all right, uh, if you have fertilizer and you're going to have to tell us if you move it from one end of the barn to the other and why you moved it. So now you have to do about three hours of paperwork. So these poor you know, farmers, these family farms, have a ton of paperwork because Timothy McVeigh used fertilizer. So they found a way to regulate fertilizer. They're going to find a way to regulate us out of existence. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Gary in the chat room goes, next thing you know, they'll use planes. Uh, haven't they already done that before? <laughs> 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 I, it, 
I'm telling you, folks. I'm telling you, it's it, it, it's a zany world out there, and we've got to start taking back sanity, a one person at a time. You know, and it, the funny thing is, is you're getting people on the left, people like Roseanne Barr, starting to finally get it. We are united as the United States of America. We may not agree all the time, but we're united on the basic principles of freedom. You know, and and she gets it. And she's starting to see the rabidness on the left. And as she said, the same thing Ronald Reagan said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. And she basically echoed the same sentiment. So people that are um, mainstream America, I'm going to call it mainstream America, those that quietly sit at home and just want to be left alone and live their lives and take care of their their kids, their spouse, their property, their business, they want to just live a peaceful, calm life, the American ideal. And yet we're being thrust into all these controversies, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and now these, these people on the left trying to take everyone's gun away. You know, they start with the bump stocks. They start with, uh, we already have background checks, but now they want to go do extreme background checks. And now you, if you can't own a gun until you're the age of 18. But, you know, a good family thing is when dad takes his son or daughter out to go hunting and fishing. Good family yeah. fun. I'm, I'm not, I, I have never gone hunting myself. I've gone fishing. I just, I'd rather buy my meat at the market. I don't know. I personally don't want to know how it's killed, skinned, and then chopped up. I'll let the butcher do that. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Although I am pro Second Amendment, it's a, hey, listen, I have no qualms. <laughs> but if it's for survival, yes, I know I can do that. But if, if it's. <laughs> If I can get my chopped meat at the butcher, I'm happy to do that. I'll take that nice pork loin over there, the second one up. <laughs> I'm not going to go out there for, for fun. <laughs> I'd rather sit at a restaurant. I want my steak medium rare, baked potato with a ton of sour cream. <laughs> Pamper me, please. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, right now we're... Um, Oh, for two. Our second guest texted me last night. He texted me last night and said, "Yeah, all right, we're all set. Got the phone number, got the the web address, and uh, he's not here. So unfortunately, that's two for two. Let's see if we can go three for three. No. Not doing well, too well today, are we? No. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I've doing a lot of thinking about my Christmas list." this year. I know it's kind of early. It's it's pretty simple. Um, I want Comey indicted. I want Hillary indicted. I want Obama indicted. And everybody else associated with those guys. That's my Christmas list. (laughs) You got one? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I Actually, I don't think you have to wait until Christmas because Comey is shooting himself in the foot left and right every single time he does a public appearance Something else comes out, and uh, I don't I, I I don't like the politics of Anderson Cooper, flat out. But I'll tell you, he did a far better job of interviewing James Comey than Brett Baer did last night. I'm sorry, Brett Baer started to push him on certain points 
Uh, but just let the ball drop. And my husband and I were watching it, and he, he's cursing at the TV. <laughs> Bless his heart. But I'm sorry, guys. Fox News has become so soft. Sometimes it's it's impossible. And even when I watch Tucker, and I love Tucker, and I see him dropping the ball on questions. Come on, press that point. You know, something that you know is very obvious, but uh, Anderson Cooper really named nailed Comey. Now, how do you define a leak? Well, Comey came around with his convoluted explanation about what a leak is. It was I so bizarre. I didn't leak it. I handed it over. It, it was, <laughs> so what do you call a leak? Well, okay. only if it's... If it's um, what did he say? It was marked top secret. It was I forget what the classified. That was the term he used. Well, only if it's classified is it considered a leak. Excuse me. Only if it's classified. No, it's it's part of the FBI. It's part of their files. It's part of their internal uh, communications. And you mean to tell me that only if it's classified, it's considered a leak? Uh, wait a minute. Uh, we had on that sailor uh, recently uh, that took a picture of the uh, the room he worked in, the, the machine shop he worked in, on a submarine, and he spent a year in jail. He did federal hard time because he took a single photograph. He wanted to give his son in the future, not today because he's a little baby, but sometime we're down the future. By the time, the submarine would have been declassified anyway. But he did a year of hard time for a single photograph. And Comey said he didn't leak? Uh, really? That's impossible. That is absolutely impossible. You know, the hypocrisy coming from them. And Now, Curtis, and those of, us, those of you out there that have listened to the show know I have said this over and over again. Never trust James Comey. If he didn't go after oh. the Clintons with Whitewater, then he's not going to go after them when, with the email. If he didn't go after them with the Mark Rich pardon, he's not going to go after the Clintons. His feather in the cap was sending Martha Stewart to prison for, what was it, insider trading or something like that? I have said it over and over and over again. Comey is not a conservative. He never was. He never will be. Comey is a Clinton butt boy, pure and simple. And this book, which is probably mostly pure fabrication, I have no intention of reading it, so I have no idea what's in it. I just listen to the news stories, and I I sometimes wonder how accurate they are. But this, what he has done is indictable. He should be the one spending time in prison. You know, they convict Flynn for far less than what he was doing. Petraeus shared notes with his girlfriend when he was writing his memoirs, and he gets indicted. You know, the hypocrisy coming from the left is finally being fully exposed. As as Native Americans say, he speak with forked tongues. I think Comey is nothing more than a water boy for the Clintons. You know, he is there to protect them, and to to shield them from prosecution, and that he did. That he did. That he absolutely did. You know, so hopefully we get our next guest that calls in. 
Uh, <laughs> right now, we're we're not doing too good, folks, here today. <laughs> oh man. Oh well, uh, that. Nope, 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 nope. That's that's the backup phone. <laughs> that's well, not our guest. Oh man. So right now, like we like I said, I'm batting a thousand here. So I'm I'm going to send him a quick text to tell him call because his number will come in from a nine five one phone number. Oh, uh, all right, yeah, yeah. folks. This is. Go ahead, Curtis. I was just going to say, um, when you finish that, maybe maybe you can share with me what Niger had to say last night on Fox News since I missed that. I don't know. I, I worked out at the VA yesterday, went to my aquatic therapy, and really worked out good for an hour. And I laid down around 4, um, just before 4 yesterday evening, and I didn't wake up till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think I slept around oh. ten or eleven hours. So I missed a lot of things last night. But what did Niger have to say? When they were talking about the Cosby thing, you know, he was basically saying the same thing I said. You know, it was really obvious when you had that many women that came forward, and out of all the women that have come forward and said, "Yes, this has happened to me," also, the same exact stories. Um, only five of them testified on behalf of the defendant. Uh, so, again, he pointed out the hypocrisy. You you put forward one message, and then you live a completely different life, a lie. You know, and, of course, his uh, poser was saying, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Yeah, right. Absolutely right. Well, a lot of people, but, again, a, a Democrat. Lot people, yeah, a lot of people I've talked to about Cosby, you know, they are the mindset that these women came out just for the money, and I try to explain to them, for a lot of these women, it's way past the statute of limitations, so they're not doing it for the money, you know. And it's it's hard to find that many people who share the same opinion of you, <laughs> and it's um, it's not complimentary what they have to say. So I don't think they got together colluded to um, you know bash your name in the public arena, but it's based on real experience, you know, that they 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 suffer through. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of people don't understand because I had explained this to my husband. He said there are very few crimes that have no statute of limitation, one of them being murder. There is no statute of limitation on murder. Uh, But most crimes do have a statute of limitation to prevent, you know, frivolous people coming forward and saying, hey, all right, it's 10 years later, it's 20 years later, I'm going to come forward and ask for this guy to be arrested for this past crime. Uh, wait a minute, what were you doing for the last 10 or 20 years? Why didn't you step forward? Now, the horrific crime of rape, very few women w- will come forward. And those that do are extremely brave, extremely. So I can see easily someone 20 years down the road finally coming forward and saying, hey, listen, this is what happened to me. But unfortunately, there is a statute of limitations across the board. Each state is different. You know, one state may be 10 years, another one may be 25, and another state may even say there's no statute of limitations on this crime. 
So, you know, it's state by state. And this is what the Constitution was based on, state rights to determine how their state should run. So, you know, with Cosby, she was within the statute of limitations and she bravely came forward. And then after she did, these other women made what is called, I don't know if they actually did, but they came forward and said, hey, yes, this happened to me. And this is the date and time it occurred. And this is exactly what happened. But they didn't want to go into court. They didn't want to go public. Because once these women go public, they become a victim a second time. Because you have people that in the, in the media and people out there in social networks that will excoriate the victim and make the victim not only relive what happened to her, but to have to have to defend herself. And, and that in itself becomes a crime. I mean, it may not be a legal crime, but uh, to me, it, it is a tragedy that they should have to endure this. At one time, a victim of a rape was able to testify anonymously, but then it was challenged in court by a defendant, and they were forced to come public. You know, it, it, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about, a very hard thing to talk about. So I'm well, hoping speaking that... Of, well, speaking of defending oneself and monetary issues, I, I did get to see Diamond and Silk um, before um, doing a congressional hearing, and um, it was amazing to, to watch the black Democrats try to come at this from a monetary angle as though um, Diamond and Silk were only in it for the money, you know. And I think they, they defended themselves pretty well. I would have added a little more than they did. You know, I would also talk about the fact that, you know, it's not just about the money, but we are trying to get a conservative message out. But um, it's just this weird and strange but not surprising to me how every black um, congressional member of that committee tried to stress the monetary angle as though these, these two women were only in it for the money. But they, they, they were writing that, hey, Everybody else makes money at this, you know, why shouldn't we, you know? Exactly, because, you know, I've had a YouTube channel up ever since I started the Tea Party, and that goes back to 2009. And every time I tried to monetize any of the videos I put up, you know, I got blocked. So now I also now set up the Southern Sense YouTube channel, and they will not allow me to monetize any of the videos. Now, Facebook is happy to take my ad money, but they will not monetize my stuff. I even tried to put in that Google AdSense, and they said, no, you don't have enough text on your web page. No, they're denying me because it happens to be a conservative website. Really? It, it, the excuses they give you is absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to try <coughs> excuse me, one thing here. I'm going to see if I can try to dial into my next guest to see if I can get him on the line. He's probably taking a nap. So we're dialing live, and here we go. We can see if we can get the phone to ring. One (laughs) ringy-dingy. And we got two rings. Remember uh, laughing, Lily Tomlin? One ringy-dingy, two ringy-dingy. Oh, we have to do it like this, like she was. Call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Uh, Nine five one seven five 
I'm not going to give out the whole phone number. I'm not going to do that. So he'll probably see on his his little thing that we tried to call into him. Anyway, he, like I said, I, I, we had so much to talk about on him. Um, he has a great book. He's got actually three great books out, all on Islam. So if you go to James, what the heck is his website? I had it before here. Uh, JamesEhorn.com. And you can check out his books. One of them is Islam in the Workplace, which we were talking about just a short while ago. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, what is uh, Cadbury? Cadbury. Um, a lot of people buy the Cadbury products for Easter. Are any, is anyone out there aware that Cadbury is halal? Now, tell me, why would an Easter bunny, a Christian symbol, a Christian holiday, have halal Easter bunnies and Easter eggs? Will someone please explain that to me? Mm. Anyone? Kurt? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but they do, but they do, and you know they also uh, tried suing to have um, a set time for them to take a break during their work day so they can you know, oh, kneel yeah. down and pray to Allah, face Mecca, pray to Allah, and that actually got tossed out because guess what? The Quran says that if you cannot at noontime do your prayer facing uh, facing Mecca to Allah, that at the end of the day, when you get off of work or whatever you're doing, if you're on the battlefield, at the end, you can then kneel down and pray. It's okay. You don't have to keep a time schedule. Just the ideal time is, you know, around noon. And if you can't, well, when you have time, then you can. So that didn't wash too well. And then there was the, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, the guy that was driving the beer truck. Uh, he was hired by a beer company, a beer distributor, to drive a beer truck. Oh, but you know, alcohol is is harem in uh, in Islam, so I can't drive the truck with beer in it. You got to put something else in it. Wait a minute. You work for a beer distributor. You went into that company. You filled out a job application. You went through the process of an interview. You know they sell and distribute beer. And you get hired as a driver of a beer truck, but now you want to sue the company because you're Muslim and you can't drive anything carrying alcohol. Well, first off, I don't recall anything in the Quran that says you can't drive a beer truck. That you, 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 well, you know, <laughs> what's amazing is that the ACLU, they, they back a lot of these frivolous lawsuits. And you have to wonder, you know, is this, this group should be labeled a terrorist group, the ACLU. <laughs> um, the American Criminal Civil Union, <laughs> yeah. along with the Southern Poverty Law Center. <laughs> but you wonder how much influence now the Muslim Brotherhood and CARE have on those two groups. I guarantee they're rife with it. You know, um, we also have uh, Trump is finally starting to clean out his administration. Uh, Brennan is gone. And no one would openly say that John Brennan is a Muslim. And yet the unspoken word was about the prayer rug in his office. And wow. we know that when he was signed to Saudi Arabia, he converted. You know, we do know that he did convert to Islam. So you have Brennan in charge of the CIA. 
and he is a Muslim. You know, really? How much more? You had Valerie Jarrett pulling the strings of Obozo when she was there. And direct ties. Her father has direct ties into the Iranian government. She is Iranian herself. You know, it's just, oh, it is, it's just, it's just one thing after another. It's just a little, oh, a matter of fact, uh, our guest who's not showing up, right now we're three for three, folks. This is unprecedented in eight years of doing this broadcast. I've never had all three guests crap out on me. <laughs> I don't know. Did I use deodorant today? I think I did. <laughs> Well, it just gives us more time to talk. <laughs> Express our views. Uh, uh, it, I, I wish I had a ton of backup stories. Normally I have a, a ton of them here, but I was so wrapped up in reading the books of my guests and taking notes that I didn't have a ton of backup stories. But let me see what I got in my little stack here. Um, let's see. Oh, here. Um it looks like ne- this coming month in May, we're finally going to have the embassy open up in Jerusalem. And this was up on Breitbart, written by Deborah Danen. And it, she writes that Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin will lead a delegation of 250 American officials and Jewish leaders, including 40 politicians, to the opening of the new U.S. embassy in Jerusalem. Uh, this was reported by Israel's Channel 10. So we finally going to have the embassy in Jerusalem opened up and recognize Jerusalem as the true capital of Israel. And that is a very good thing. Yeah, and not only that, other countries will follow suit. And have a uh, and Sasquatch does... Exactly. Sasquatch put up in the chat room, and thank you, Bigfoot, for that, because, yes, it's true... Brennan had stated publicly, I have seen the glory of the Hajj, and the only way you can get into Mecca is if you are a Muslim, which means he said the Shahada in front of witnesses. He converted to Islam, and he proceeded to be on the Hajj. And it looks like we may have our guest caller in. Let's bring this person in on the line, and good afternoon. Is this Jim Horn? Skype call. Hi, is this Jim Horn? Uh, no, I'm just. I can uh, hear you. Listen. You can hear me. All right. Well, all right. Thank you very much for listening into the show. If you want to participate, I'm going to put you back on mute. If you do want to participate in the conversation, just oh, press hello, one. We'll be happy yes. to bring you on. Hello. All right. Whatever that was. We don't know what that is. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, it, 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 he did publicly state that he's been on the Hajj, and the only way you can do it is if you are a Muslim. Um, you also have H.R. McMaster's, uh, that I want to see this man so far gone that you never see the, the his backside. I want him just so far out. Yeah, You still have members of the Muslim Brotherhood and CARE inside our federal government and his administration. He should have cleaned swamp day one. I mean, should have done a completely clean sweep, but Trump being Trump, you know, held on to them. So, you know, you never know. Well, I think you never I think know. Trump, I think Trump, I guess he wanted to um, get to know who these people were first. You know I mean? He did come from a business world. Um, he dealt with politicians. But as far as the bureaucracy is concerned, you know, I think he just wanted to, you know, 
take a year and find out who these people were who were, you know, for him and who were against him. And I'm sure he collected a lot of information on these folks. And and once he's done that, he's cleaned the house. It's amazing what he's done in one year. Can you imagine what he'll do in two years? Yeah, yeah. And he's only into his second year now of the administration. I'm sorry, I got an itchy nose driving me crazy. You know what they say about some someone with an itchy nose? They're either going to get into a fight oh, yeah. or kiss a fool. <laughs> My mom always says someone is open with your nose itch. <laughs> Some, someone's what? Someone's is not What was that? Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have a caller in on the line. Let's bring the person in on the line. And here we go. Come on, Southern. There we hey, go. Hey, You're here hey, listening to Southern Sense. Hey, Who am I speaking to? Hi, yes, you are. Who am I speaking to? Brian from Los Angeles. Uh, sorry, I'm a little nervous. I've never called into the radio before. Hi, Brian. How you doing today? Do you have a question uh, or comment? So, or- I do. Uh, so I guess my question is this. Um, I know that they're moving the capital to Jerusalem, but is there another, or the embassy, but is there another city in Israel that might be slightly less contentious? Um, I mean, I know that there are a lot of beautiful cities in Israel, and uh, I think it'd be really good if they moved it somewhere else. All right, well, I'm going to answer your question with a question here. And, Brian, you know, throughout the world, name me a single nation that allows the world to tell them where to place their capital. Do we tell Russia where the capital cannot be Moscow? Do we tell China the capital cannot be Beijing? Do we tell any other nation? Cuba, you can't use Havana. We're not going to put our embassy in there because that we don't consider that your capital city. Only Israel is the only nation in the world. The rest of the world is saying your capital cannot be Jerusalem. Why? Yeah, their but, capital but, is Jerusalem. But why is Israel such a such a different place? I mean, they're all their own countries, but why do we make Israel so so different? It's not us making the world, Israel, so different. It is their enemies. Their enemies want to paint a picture of Israel as not a... They don't, want, they don't want Israel to exist to begin with. They never did. So they made up this, in, this fake premise of a nation of Palestine, which never existed. Palestine was a simple area, just as North America is an area. It consisted of many other nations within it, as North America does. But yet they came up with this phony idea of a land of Palestine that never really existed. So they're using that argument to destroy Israel. Now, the capital of Israel has been and always will be Jerusalem. It was the capital of Israel in the time of Christ. It was the center of where everything occurred in the Bible at Jerusalem. So it has always been Israel's capital. So why are we telling Israel they cannot have their capital there? Well, I think it'd just be so much better if they all just got along. Like, if they made, say, the Palestinians and the Israelis in the World Cup, they make the same soccer team, and everyone, they go around that, like the Koreans did. It would be such an exciting thing. It would be exciting if the rest of the world allowed Israel to exist as it chooses to exist. 
We don't tell any other nation that you have to exist by our rules. Yet everyone else turns around to America and to Israel and say, you have to live by our rules, not yours. Curtis, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, sweetheart. I just want to ask the caller this. For all these years since its inception as a nation, um, Israel, that is, and their, their embassies were located in another city, why haven't the um, Muslims gotten along with Israel then? That's my question. It's the media. It, it has to be the media. They get everybody fired up. And, uh, you know, if you, if you start a discourse of happiness and soccer and globalism, everyone's going to be happy. Well, you know, it's, it's really odd because I've been to Jerusalem a few times, and there you will find temples and churches from Christianity, from um, Islam, a higher faith. They have a big temple there. You got all these religious, the religious center of the world, pretty much, and they get along pretty, you know, pretty well within within Jerusalem. Um, so why not? Politics, you know, why why can't we have um, embassies there that get along? Here's here's another thing, Brian. In Israel, if you are are is a Muslim and a citizen of Israel, you have an equal voice in your government. They have a seat in the Knesset. They have the ability, the political power and ability. They share the nation with the Jews. They also have recognized the Christians within there, within the government, having an equal voice in government. So it, within Israel, they are coexisting. It's those outside of Israel that want to destroy it. If you watch the news today, massing at the borders are the... I agree with you. And I think Israel is the third best country. It goes America, Italy, then Israel. Three best countries. Well, I'm I'm half Italian, so uh, I I have some qualms with Italy. If they cover if they cover up the statues in Rome because they've got an Arab delegation walking through the city of Rome, I've got a problem with the the Italian government. No, that is quintessentially Italy: art, food, music. Do not cover up the naked statues simply because you got an Arab delegation. Tell them to turn their head. That's ridiculous. This is, this is why how bad it is. Why they, we keep why capitulating and capitulating and capitulating, and, and we keep on saying, okay, all right, we'll do it your way. But we've gotten so far over the line, so far left, that common sense no longer exists. And right now, at the border of Israel, you've got Palestinian rioters over there. They're trying to cross the border illegally and invade Israel. This is an invasion of an army of people. So Israel has the right to defend themselves. We have the right to defend our way of life. It is but their the, country. The Let them the defend it. They were there first. No. 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 Absolutely not. As I explained before, Palestinian was an area. Like when you say Asia, Asia contains multiple countries. As you say, North America or Europe contained multiple countries. Countries, multiple different civilizations. There never was a true Palestine. It was just an ideal like Africa. So now they're trying to make you think that there was a nation of Palestine. It never existed. 
Israel was within that area that they called Palestine, but it existed thousands of years before the idea of Palestinians ever came to. And that only came through, you know, just to help destroy. When Israel tried to reestablish itself as a nation, because it is the only country that existed in the past and then reconstructed itself. The only nation in the world, once a country dies, it goes out of existence. But Israel has been able to bring itself back to life. The only one. So there never was a Palestine. Well, not only that, there's, there's this covenant between uh, God and this guy called Abraham. Uh, I, I don't know if they still teach that these days, or kids just don't go to Sunday school anymore. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons why Israel exists. Interesting. Yeah. It was the covenant of God, the covenant of God in the Bible that had set forth Israel and de- defended the people of Israel. So, uh, Brian, I want to thank you for the call and hope you enjoy listening in. It, it, I love you guys. These are conversations. I'm... Thank you so much, Brian. We love you too. Uh, but this is what we have to do. We have to inform people of what the truth is out there. What the media is saying is one thing, and what the actuality and the facts are are another thing. And unfortunately, the facts are being blurred. And right now, thousands of these people from the Palestinian settlements actually trying to cross through the fence. There was one group of people that got so close, they actually hung the Palestinian flag on the Israeli fence. And they were responding with tear gas. But once you start to invade a country, then that country should have the right to defend itself. And now people are dying, unfortunately. But this is the mob mentality, and this is what they want. They want to bring in the caliphate and destroy Israel. So my prayers are with those people in Israel today. Excuse me. Well, you know, you know something. We we talk about the 38th parallel over there, North and South Korea. But Israel is a small country. I'm not even sure if it's the size of um, Rhode Island, but it's surrounded by Arab countries, and nearly all of them are hostile to Israel and don't think Israel is legitimate. So, you know, these yeah. guys are pretty much constantly in a state of war. Well, it's been a state of war between the Jews and the Muslims since Islam was created. And if anyone knows their history, and I'm sure Kel and Beto and all those are in the chat room right now, they can tell <laughs> tell the history probably better than me. But, you know, at one point, the Jews gave shelter to Muhammad when he was in Medina. And they they took him in and said, hey, we may not... I agree with your politics or whatever, but, you know, we'll, we'll protect you. And later on, to the very people that protected him, he turned on them and slaughtered them, slit the throats of the men, took the women, raped them, put them into slavery, and the children too. You know, so they have been at war since the birth of Islam. And they will always be at war to the end of this world. And it's not a war that that you can find a peace treaty to. Either Islam accepts us fully human, not as dogs, apes, or pigs, as, they, as the Quran calls us, but they recognize us as fully human. And that's another thing. Uh, I, I get a kick out of um, pushing for human rights. And you hear this from a lot of the Muslims 
saying, oh, we want human rights. All right. If you are truly Islamic and you believe in the Quran, being the word of Allah, then according to the Quran, Curtis, you and I are descendants of dogs, pigs, and apes. And we are not human. So if we're not considered to be descendants of human beings, then we cannot have human rights. So what are the civil rights and human rights for? But only those of the Muslim faith. And this is something that also is not being talked about. So we've got to get it correct. So if anyone that happens to be a Muslim that says, no, you know, I don't believe that, then you're not a true Muslim. You are an apostate. And then you, according to the Muslim faith, are subject to death. And see, that's, so, that's the problem with Islam. Islam does not hold itself as equal to any other religion, holds itself as superior. And that's where we have a problem. And that's why it will never be fully accepted in the United States because we look at religion pretty much on an equal level. And not only that, we're not going to accept Islam because in Islam, Islam rules. And here in the United States, the supreme law of the land is the United States Constitution. So right there we're going to have a clash. Exactly. And if you ever stood outside of a mosque and asked the people coming out of that mosque after prayer, you know, which is supreme, Sharia law or the Constitution? Now, David Webb did this and broadcast it live on Fox News. He stood outside of a mosque in New York City, and as the people were coming out, he asked each, everyone that passed him, he was asking, which law is supreme, Sharia law or the Constitution? To a person, they said Sharia law. Therefore, Islam and our Constitution will never be compatible. I stood there with an uh, imam as he waved his little mini pocket Constitution and Declaration of Independence and saying, Sharia law will never uh, be more powerful than the Constitution. We will not allow it. That was a complete, absolute, bold-faced lie called taqiyya. And that is allowed within the Quran. The Quran tells them that they are allowed to lie if it furthers the cause of Islam. So they're told outright, lie to them. What did the um, uh, Times Square bomber say when the judge asked him, you swore an oath as an American citizen? And the, the guy turned around and said, I lied. That is taqiyya. It is allowed under the Quran. It is encouraged under the Quran. And if someone doesn't believe that and claim to be a Muslim, then they are apostate and subject to death under the eyes of Islam. So people not understanding the truth about Islam is really hurting us the most. You have these interfaith you know, coalitions now where you have imams sitting down with Christian and Jewish leaders and Hindus and whatever else, the purple tree worshipers. But then again, they're being fed lies. Yeah, you, you, to be to be honest, don't trust a single word coming out of their mouths because their purpose is to further the cause of Islam. They have this group of people trying to mix Christianity with Islam. If you have read the Bible and if you have read the Quran, they are two opposing books. No, how many people are aware there's one word that they like to say is in the Quran, and it appears 
nowhere within the Quran. Having read the Quran, I can tell you, it, it does not exist within the Quran. But it is rife. It is throughout the Bible, every place you can look at. And there's the word love. The word love does not appear as single instance within the Quran. In fact, in the Bible, we talk about redemption. We talk about forgiveness. And that does not exist within the Quran. There is no redemption. There is no forgiveness. And oh, by the way, you can live the best life possible. But even then, no matter how great and saintly you are, I can still decide to send you to hell. Whereas in the Bible, there is always, always the hope of reaching heaven. No matter how bad we are, as long as we seek Christ and we believe in God and heaven, we will be there. But that doesn't exist in the Quran. So whatever they talk about living in peace and harmony, it is not there. The Quran urges them until the last non-Muslim dies. It urges them to slaughter anyone who is a non-Muslim. It teaches them that. And we have to recognize what the truth is. What I want to ask is, can we trust Muslims who, who go into public service and attain public office who swear on the Quran? Can we really trust these folks? I don't personally. No. no. Honestly, no. Because they're swearing their allegiance by placing their hand on the Quran. They're swearing allegiance to Islam and Allah. And yet, when we in Christianity and in Judaism know that we were taught, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar. So God recognized the need for governments to rule over men and to control, and not to control, but to maintain peace and prosperity. He understood the need for us to have governments. So when we place our hand on the Bible, we do acknowledge God's supremacy, but we also recognize the need for this government, for our government, these United States, to exist, and we swear to uphold these laws of this land. That doesn't occur when you place your hand on the Quran, because the Quran and Allah is supreme above all, all others. And Islam is a government unto itself. The Quran, the Sharia, the Hadith, they create the government. They tell you how to live your daily life from, the, from wiping your butt to what foods you eat. It, it, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> Sorry. You know, the, the New Testament, you may say in the Old Testament, it says not to eat you know, the meat of a, a cloven-hoofed animal. But the New Testament threw that out. It, 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 I'm getting frustrated. Save <laughs> me, Curtis. Well, the new law. They say Christ came with a new law compared to the old law in the Old uh, Testament. You know, it, it's how they can um, twist ideals to match Islam is absolutely amazing. This is an article I pulled up from activistmommy.com uh, uh, that's run by Elizabeth Johnston. And uh, there's an article here. The Iranian woman's soccer team sneaks in eight, quote, transgender, unquote, men to compete. And she goes on in this article uh, that I'm going I'm, I'm to highlight it. 
Uh, it says, you may be surprised to discover that in Iran, a country that has strict laws regarding the way women dress, where they go, and what they can and can't do without a man's permission, actually has a high rate of transgender transition, second only to Malaysia, which happens to be another Muslim country. Uh, this was according to Daily Wire. Um, shockingly, she writes, this is by Amanda... Jeez, I'm going to try to pronounce this last name. And I'm, I'm half Italian. I'm having a hard time with this. Presta Giacomo. Sounds like I got it right. Shockingly, she writes, in Iran, sex changes are not only legal by fatwa, they are rampant. In fact, Iran takes a backseat only to Thailand when it comes to the number of sex change operations. This is mostly due to religious codes against homosexuality. Gay people are often pressured into transitioning to avoid the penalty of death on their homosexuality. Amazing. Amazing. So now they put these men onto this soccer team. They stacked the team with these transgender men. And unfortunately, I can't show you the picture, but if you look at this team, I mean, you can pick the men out right away. One, two, three. Which brings into question now, Curtis, should these transgender men compete in women's sports and women compete in men's sports. It's an unfair advantage. Biologically, it's a simple, unfair advantage. We have a pure example of this, of that wrestling uh, champion in Texas. Uh, She, he, it has won two years in a row because no woman can compete against him. He transgendered into a girl, but he still has the physique and the muscle strength of a man. I'm sorry, you cannot change the DNA. You cannot change the the way biologically you're made up. You can have as many surgeries and cosmetic things done to you. It's still, I'm sorry, at the end of the day, it's either XX or XY. crazy. These are articles I had pulled up for our last guest, uh, Elizabeth Johnson, and never got to. Now, here, again, this is this is the wackiness of the left. And this was written by Robert Spencer in Jihad Watch, that House Democrats in Maine voted to allow female genital mutilation. And the vote was 77 to 70 in the House. Um, and it was mostly along party lines. And they have a large Somali population, Somali Muslim population in Maine. Now, this I wasn't aware of. I know they're around Dearborn, Michigan. Extremely, they got. We have more Somali Muslims in Dearborn, Michigan, than they do in Somalia. That is how bad the situation is. So, um, pandering to the Islams, uh, they voted to allow the community female. Genital mutilation mandated in Islamic law. Circumcision is obligatory for every male and female by cutting off the piece of skin in the glands of the, uh, I'm not going to go into all the graphics, uh, which makes it extremely painful for a woman during sexual relations and in childbirth. And a lot of these women end up with conditions 
um, that are extremely serious and in times life-threatening because of this mutilation. And when they do get these conditions of incontinence and everything else, uh, the men don't want to go near them. And they become pariahs. They become outlawed in their own community. Why? Because of the mandatory female genital mutilation. You know, it's, it, and we're pandering to a section of our society that it, it, it's barbaric. There's no other way to explain it but just call it pure barbarism to allow female genital mutilation. And why the state of Maine would do this? And an actual state would enact into law allowing this to occur. Oh, yeah, we're going to do it in a hospital or we'll have it done in sanitary conditions, not like in, in the forest out in Africa. Well, fine. What about the underlying medical conditions and what this poor child grown into a woman will have to endure for the rest of their life? You can't undo it. You cannot undo it. Well, anyway, our, our phone lines are still open. Uh, get some new callers in here, um, 917-889-3675. We're up here live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains Daily News. Uh, we're up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, videoing now on YouTube and Facebook. So join the conversations. We've got a lot of great people out there in the chat room. And I'm sorry, I haven't been paying attention to the Facebook or um <laughs> Uh, good Lord, <laughs> Facebook or YouTube. Am I having some major brain farts here, Curtis? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we got, what else do I have here? We got that. Um, oh, this was from our friend Paulie Sutliff. Yeah, Paulie was writing up on uh, his his blog, um, talking about the rise of the vehicle attacks. And uh, this is an excellent article which gives out reasons why these attacks are on the rise. Because Islamic speeches can be deemed contributory towards the attack. You know, we have, they attempted to monitor the sermons that were done in Christian churches, and especially Texas. That one backfired, I believe it was the mayor of Houston or Austin. I think it was Austin, okay. That wanted the pastors of the churches to submit their sermons to her for approval. And yet we cannot monitor what's going on in mosques. And um, I wish we had Jim Horn calling in on the show because he would explain there's a room inside each and every mosque um, that where they keep munitions. And whenever you have an inspection by the fire department, because it's all buildings are... You mandated inspections if it's a public building and the mosque is considered a public building. Well, they say when they go into the mosque, the, the Muslims tell them, no, you can't go into this room. It's a holy room. So you can't enter it. You're not Muslim. You can't go in there. Yeah, I forget what they call it. In there, you mean, there are munitions. They actually make bombs in these rooms. So what he has been doing is calling around to different fire departments, and he works with a couple of fire departments out in California, and warns them, if there is a fire in this mosque, be aware you may get some explosions because they store munitions in these rooms. So, you know, we are not monitoring the mosques, but we are being monitored. How dare we, you know, preach for same-sex marriage? How dare we do that? But we don't 
monitor the sermons that are going on in these mosques. You know, just the same way we didn't do Reverend Wright. America be damned, right? Um, uh, just I'm trying to. Oh, um, Dr. Ahmet Yegla in 2017 wrote of the Islamic State's Lone Wolf Handbook and its possibility for cultivating terrorist actions within the USA. Dr. Yelas shared that the fourth chapter of this handbook was entitled The Ultimate Human Lawnmower, where they tell them, right. you know, uh, get a four-by-four truck, choose the most crowded places uh, to drive over people. Drivers are not to stop after the first hit and to hit as many victims as possible. Choose routes appropriately to ensure that there will be many other victims after the initial hit, and to be aware that this is a suicide mission, and to also have weapons, if possible, and fight back until the very end. Gee, doesn't this sound like Toronto last week? I, like they followed the handbook to the letter, and has has uh, the shiny pony, <laughs> Kel's best friend. <laughs> Like Trudeau, Trudeau call it a terrorist attack yet? Not yet. I don't think so. If he did, I missed something that the media hasn't told me about. <laughs> well, why should he be concerned? Oh, He's got all kind of security around him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. What else What else did I pull aside here? Oh, oh this this will get your blood going. All right. MUS student, MUS, boy, am I dyslexic today? MSU student paper features oh. vulgar story of Jesus involved in sex acts with a smutty picture. And this was again up on activist mommy. And uh, they put together in the newspaper these, I, I can't call it a parody, but demeaning the ideal of Christ into this vulgar sex acts with these absolutely horrific graphic uh, contexts. Um, it's very safe to assume that had a mandatory student fee funded student newspaper in any campus across the nation had published a story of Mohammed in such graphic sexual context, there would be a literal violent riots and an epic media snowflake meltdown. So they can do this and, and mock Christianity and Judaism, but, oh, keep your hands off Muhammad. You know, don't forget we had Brooklyn Museum of Art with the painting of uh, Christ with feces. Uh, the Virgin, no, it was the Virgin Mary with feces, and I think it was Christ in, soaked in urine. Now, we, they can do that to Judeo-Christianity, but don't touch Islam. Don't you dare touch oh. Islam. And you better not draw any images of Muhammad. No, 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 no. No, we'll send a couple of gunmen to that that cartoon thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, fatwa. Well, yeah, put a fatwa on your head. Probably by the end of this broadcast, I'll have a fatwa on mine. (laughs) Come at it, guys. Oh, man. And Kelsey's no Trudeau. Well, Kel has 
confirmed that Trudeau has not called it a terrorist attack, what happened last week in Toronto. No, no. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's, let's, let's play patty cake. Oh, by the way, didn't Trudeau, I believe, Cal, do the Shahada? I do believe he did. Ah, oh, man. Again, another attack on Christianity. This is from uh, CBN.com by Amber Strong. That uh, GQ, that men's magazine, those of you that are metrosexuals, uh, read all the time, uh, rejects the Bible as foolish and tells people to not read it. And uh, I love this. Uh, in an article titled 21 Books You Don't Have to Read and 21 You Should Read Instead, the editor says the Holy Bible is rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but who in actuality have not read it. Those who have read it know that there are some good parts, but overall, it's certainly not the finest thing that man has ever produced. It's repetitive, self Boy, am I... Am I keeping t- straight? Are they? Sententious, foolish, and even at times ill-intentioned, they concluded. Ah, oh, man. You know, <laughs> well, think about that driver. Think about that driver in Toronto. I guess he was driving while under the influence of anger. Or is mm. that intoxication? Oh, but... <laughs> well, you know, he said he belonged to a group of men um, that can't get women to date them and feel what? feel that they should force themselves upon women. Uh, and I shot back was, well, isn't that what you call a Muslim male? <laughs> You've got to force them into submission in order to have a relationship with them, you know? Yeah, trust me. It was directly from this, the uh, Jihad Handbook. It, it, you, you can't call it anything else but what it is. You know, it, it, if, it's, if it's a jihadist, it's a jihadist. It's nothing else. Don't look for other explanations. Yeah. <laughs> Just shaking my head here. Just absolutely shaking my head. And Kel points out in the chat room that Ramadan starts May 16th, and she'll be watching to see if Trudeau's wedding band and watch go to the shop for repair. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, jewelry disappears during Ramadan. But let's look at, you know, how many attacks ramp up going into Ramadan, too. So Ramadan Madigman. Oh, man, Curtis. We're down to our last seven minutes, but despite completely striking out, <laughs> Complete, com- completely striking out on our guests. Hey, hopefully we'll have a better show on Tuesday. Um, Tuesday we're going to have Doug Gibbs and Daniel Greenfield, and uh, I'll make sure that they show up, even if I have to, uh, even if I have to drag them in, kicking and screaming. <laughs> I'm going to miss that one. Wow, I have to catch it on the the pod later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh, I'm gonna have to give you and Kel a shout over the weekend, um, because it looks like May eighth. Uh, I may turn the show over to the two of you, unfortunately, because Yanni has to have another surgical procedure, and we will not know what time it's going to be done until after three o'clock the day before. So I may not be able to make it to the May eighth show. Um, so, Kel, I'll give you a shout over the weekend and see what we got going on. And I'll also talk to you, see if you can fill in for Curtis uh, this coming Tuesday. 
Because, girlfriend, you and I get on the air together, forget about it. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, that's just about all we got for the show today. Um, sorry that we lost all three guests. I hope it's not something that was on Blog Talk Radio because I do see people sitting in the studio uh, listening in, and we did have a caller early on. Um, so I don't know what else to say, guys. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, guys, if you've got a show going on tonight or over the weekend, feel free to post it up in the chat room so people in the chat room uh, can see what you got going on. Um, I don't know. Anything else we got going on, Curse? We, I guess we, we just have some great guests coming coming up in the next couple of weeks. I, like you said earlier, I got a few people to come on, some new people. Uh, we're going to try to get Niger back on and Carol Swain. So it looks real promising the next couple of weeks for some really fantastic shows we're going to, you know, put on. Yep. Yep, we've got a lot going on, and I want to thank everyone for sticking with us, even though I didn't have any guests or anything, just <laughs> everything off the top of my head. Oh, my poor head is splitting right in half right now. <laughs> anyway, we will be back uh, on Tuesday, May 1st. So I want to wish everyone out there a very happy and safe weekend. So until then, I say good night and God bless, and I leave you for when the roll is called up yonder. Until then, good night. Thank you.